see if the wheels don't fall off. But yeah, it's wonderful to be here. I'm actually coming in, and them have, um, have been really doing well with, with 6 p.m. as I've been in and out with 4 p.m. and being at 6 p.m. as well. And so I'm actually falling in with something this, this evening that Enray felt uh, to be preached into this congregation before uh, you guys disperse, before you go on your big exodus, uh, when this congregation shuts down for a bit, and uh, some of you join 4 p.m., some of you go home. So what I'd like to do is, just before I start, I want to give a bit of a recap of what Enray felt, read through the scripture, and just make it very clear, the sermon that I'm going to do tonight is not a verse-by-verse, line-by-line thing. This is more of a prophetic thing that Enray felt, uh, a couple of things that God wants to speak into you. So please allow me that liberty. Uh, we are going to stay faithful to the Bible, I, I think, as far as possible. It's just going to look a little bit different. So let's just jump into Luke 5, verse 1 to 6 and read that together. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, you were standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were, just say that with me, washing their nets. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. And you can go on. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So what we're busy looking at for the last three weeks, or started last week uh, with Max's message, Max specifically spoke into the fact that God wants us to mend the nets, meaning if, we're going to look at that for a moment, if the vision of this passage and the vision of God for each one of us is to catch fish, because that is what God is calling each of you for, just want to make that clear, you are not here to study, you are not here to work, you're not here to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Your life's purpose, according to God, is to catch fish, to be a fisher of men and a fisher of women. That is His calling for you. And so in order to do that, the last three weeks, firstly, we looked at mending the nets, meaning if we want to be a healthy body, if we want to be a church that is actually a place where people can get saved, where they can get discipled, the first thing we need to do is Max spoke into this. We need to mend the nets. We need to make sure that the relationships between all of us, it's healthy. And that there are no rifts between us, that we're not, you know that they say two visions is division, which is not a good thing. And so we want to get on the same page. We want to make sure that there are no offenses between us, but that we are united. Because church is not just supposed to be a Sunday. It's supposed to be a bunch of people who live like family and really know each other and are involved in each other's lives. That was week one last week. Tonight, I want to speak about washing the nets, which is exactly what they did before Jesus called them to catch a lot of fish. And I really believe this. I'm, I'm stating it prophetically, but I've got a sense in my heart that next year, in 6 p.m., God wants to reach many people. If we think that we've got a heart for Stellenbosch, I'm telling you, God has got a bigger heart for Stellenbosch. If you think that you've got a heart for your faculty or your res or your friends, God has got an even bigger heart for that. And so you want fish to come in here. You want people to get saved and discipled in this church. And to do that, we're going to focus on that tonight. We need to wash our nets. We need to make sure that our lives are clean and ready for the work of God. And then next week, we're going to speak about how we actually use our nets. So you all with me? Okay. 
So let's just look at my first statement because I said all of us are called to be fishers of men. And I just want to show you that, that out of Scripture. Matthew 4 verse 18 to 19 says the following. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And so it's so interesting. God comes to these two normal people. They were not special in any way. If you were a fisherman back then, it means that you were not called to be someone who studied further, like most of you. You were not called to have a higher learning. You were called to take the occupation of your dad because you were not clever enough to take the next step. He went to these normal people, and he took their lives. He said, I know that you are fishers, but then he prophetically speaks over them, and he says, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When we start following God, he wants to come into our lives, and he wants to say, I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're clever or whether you're dumb, whether you're pretty or whether you're ugly. I don't really care. All I care about is taking your life, transforming you, and making you someone that can be used for my service. He loves the world so much that he's willing to take ordinary people and use us for his service. And that is a beautiful privilege that we get to partake of as Christians. And if you just look around at the person next to you, you'll see that God uses normal people. Just look around. Ordinary. Not so clever. <laughs> Quite average looking. <laughs> he uses these type of people. <laughs> and what he's saying to us is, it really doesn't matter who you are. I want to take who you are and I want to use it for my purpose. He said, I know that you fishers, fishermen, I want to make you fishers of men. And so that should be our heart's desire. We should have something in us to say, yes, Lord, I want to know you. It's beautiful, but I also want to be used by you. And you'll see that as we come to that place, as we come to a place of not only having God for ourselves, but having a big desire to share God with the people around us, you'll see that you even start growing more in your relationship with God than you thought previously. It's this weird thing. Sometimes we want to keep Jesus for ourselves, but the more we give him to others, the more we receive of him. It's like he's saying, I want you to be a conduit. It's like a conduit is like a pipe. And as the more water you let flow through this pipe, the more water I'm going to send through this pipe, and the more you're going to experience of me. It's the, it's the weirdest thing. I've seen people only trying to survive in their Christianity think, as long as I can just stay a Christian and not sin, then that'll be okay, and God will love me. And, and all of that is true. But the moment they get switched on and see that they're not only fishermen, but they are supposed to be fishers of men, it's like they just grow exponentially. And you're not only just focusing on not sinning, you're just focusing on, on loving other people, and it's like you become more secure in your relationship with God. It's, it is a phenomenal thing. It's like if, if each of us are a dam, if there's an inflow but now no outflow, that water becomes stale and it becomes dangerous. But if we open up the tap and we let there be an outflow to others, it's like we become a river of living water for our God. And so if you're an accountant or planning to be an accountant, God is saying, I'm taking that and I want to transform you into someone that works with worldly riches, earthly riches and not just worldly riches. If you're a student, he says, I want to make you a student of people and a student of my word. And I want you to teach others. If you are a teacher, he says, I want you to be a teacher of my people. 
God will take anything and he says, I want to transform you into someone used by me. And so I trust firstly that that desire is in us. And when that desire is in us, we want to say, Lord, if that is the case, then help me be as effective as possible. And that's what we're doing. We're saying as a church, we want to be as effective as possible. So we looked at mending the nests. And prophetically, as Henry felt, the second thing we want to do is we want to say, Lord, wash the nets. You see, the interesting thing about the disciples as they were there is um, they were not doing nothing from their side and saying, okay, God, then you, you can do a miracle. Okay? God is the God of the universe. He can do anything. If he wants to stay, save Stellenbosch in a moment, he can do that. He could have just let all of those fish jump out of the sea onto the shore. He could have done that. But he looked for people who were busy washing their nets. They were doing their little thing from their side. And as they were washing their nets, as they were preparing for the, the, the harvest that God wanted to send, the big catch that God wanted to send, he says, I see that little bit of faith. Now I will give you more than you imagine. And so we need to be faithful to say, Lord, it is ultimately you that will do a miracle. It is you that will save people. Lord, but I want to prepare my life. I want to make sure that I am a good and a clean vessel for your service. And that is not only by dealing with the big sins, it is by day by day coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, how can I become more of a net that you can use? How can I become a cleaner net for you? How can I become a hole in a, in a uh, whatever net? Just a, a good net. <laughs> I just want to be a good net. <laughs> so it's just so interesting. Uh, I won't say, but last week I went to preach in another congregation in the morning and I walked in there, and it was just such an eye-opener for me. Now, if you lead a congregation, you are, in, a, in, a, in one sense, you're sort of at the forefront of people's journey with God. You are spearheading something for other people. Now, everyone has their own relationship with God, but you are the one that sort of goes ahead and that's leading people somewhere. And I walked into this congregation, and, and it's like my eyes were open. It was, it was such an interesting thing. And I know the person who's leading this congregation well, he's got incredible strengths, planted many churches in his life, but he's also got a few quirks that I'm like, oh, those are things that I think are not so good. And I walked into the congregation, and I could see that guy's fingerprints all over the congregation. I could see his strengths were the strengths of the congregation, but I could also see that his weaknesses were the weaknesses of the congregation. And the scariest thing for me when I started leading and being more on the forefront, being used as a net for God, I started looking at the church and I'm like, whoa, these guys have my strengths, but it's so scary because they've got my weaknesses as well. I see it with 4 p.m., I've seen it with 6 p.m., I've seen that my weaknesses, in a sense, I, I can't take you there, in a sense, because I haven't gone there. And so God has solutions, He's got plurality of elders, He's got all of those things, but I still do see it. And in a big sense, I feel like that. When we become vessels for God, when we become used by God, we need to make sure that we constantly work on our weaknesses, that we constantly bring the small sins, the small things in our lives before God, because it limits our, how effective we can be in the lives of others. We will see our fingerprints on the lives of other people. Therefore, we need to make sure, like God, make me as clean and as, as much like you as possible. It needs to be a daily thing. It needs to be that washing of the nets needs to happen the whole time if you want God to use you to catch a multitude and not just one or two little fishies. Okay, you all following me still, right? Okay. So what I'm going to do is, this is a different message. It's not going to be a long message. Forgot to press the start button. Oh, no, I did. 
But it's not gonna be a long message. It's gonna be one of the shorter messages that I preach because I wanna do a simple thing. All I wanna do is I wanna throw a couple of Bible questions before us to act as a mirror to just show us how clean we are or how dirty we are. That's all I wanna do. <laughs> and that sounds scary, but it's liberating. It's actually just, don't, be, don't see this as condemnation. Just see it as like, God, thank you for showing me which areas I still need to bring before you. And then we know we can do those things. Okay, that's all I want to do because the Word of God is supposed to be that. It's not supposed to be for intellectual superiority. It's not supposed to be so that you can prepare a good Bible study. It's supposed to be there to be a mirror in front of us, to show us where we lack and where we need something out of our tooth. <laughs> It's supposed to be that. So I've got, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions that I'm going to ask you. You can write them down if you want, or you can get it from uh, someone who concentrates in church. You can just do that as well. <laughs> you can write these things down. But I want to tell you a quick story of uh, just how I think we should use these, use these scriptures. So a couple of years ago... Uh, you won't believe it when you look at me now, because I'm, I'm as white as snow if I, <laughs> if I lift my shirt. But there was a time that I, I stayed closer to the ocean and I started surfing. Listen, I hate water. I don't know how I did it. I just wanted to fit in and I wanted to be an elder in Josh Chen. So I, <laughs> so I thought I need to surf. So I bought a surfboard, bought a wetsuit, went for a surf. And we were, we were in Malpa Strand. And it was, it was honestly... It was one of those beautiful days. We were, some of you might have heard this story. We were sitting in the water, and we sat on our surfboards. A friend of mine leads one of the other Josh Chains now. We're sitting on our surfboards, and we're just chatting away in Malpa Strand. It's one of those beautiful days where Table Mountain was just so clear. You could, it felt like it was sitting right in front of you, and you're sitting in the ocean. You see the birds. You hear the waves, and you're just chilling on your, on your, um, on your surfboard. And it was, it was just the sun was setting above the ocean. It was honestly, it was one of those beautiful, I, I'll never forget that image. And we're just sitting on our surfboards, enjoying the moment, enjoying like actually God around us, and we, we're just speaking. And at some stage, we looked around, and we saw that we started close off to some of the surfers, but now those surfers are like far away from us. And without realizing it, we were sitting in a rip current, actually. And a rip current is an interesting thing. You don't feel it. You just sit on the water and slowly but surely it pulls you deeper and deeper and deeper. And we had no idea that when you get stuck in a rip current, you're actually supposed to swim sideways to get out of the current and then swim in. So we got the biggest fright of our lives and we started paddling and my friends, his eyes were like so big. I think he's, he just wanted to make sure whether he's still saved, like confessing all of his sins like, Jesus, forgive me. Because we're paddling, we're paddling, our arms are so tired, and we just feel like we're paddling for so long, but we can't get to the shore. And we honestly thought for a moment we were going to die. It was like a scary moment. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my lesson that I learned now. But we really tried our best, but we got our lives actually in danger. And the danger was this. Now that I've learned, this is what you actually do when you surf. You put out markers for yourself. So you look to the shore and you say, there is a house with a pitched roof and a, a, a volcano coming out, a squirtian, a, um, <laughs> a chimney coming out. <laughs> and what you need to do is every now and then, as you're in the water, you just may need to make sure that you're still in line with that house. And if you're drifting, every few minutes, you just need to come back on course. 
And if you don't do that, it could be too late and it could carry you like too far. And you look at where some of the other surfers are or where the waves are breaking and you just make sure that every now and then I'm still close to the back line where the, sh where the waves are breaking. And that helps you to identify where you are. And if you leave it for too long, you drift into danger. And in the same way with our Christianity, regularly we need to come before God and say, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. We need to ask ourselves these questions because they make us see whether we are in danger or whether we are still where we want to be. And so this is not the big obvious things like here comes a shark, oh wow, my life's in danger. I'm not speaking about those things. I'm speaking about the subtle drift of this world. The subtle drift of falling away from Christianity and that is how our nets actually become dirty. We need to regularly come before God and say, wash my nets. Wash me, Lord, so that I can be clean. Does that make sense? Does the story make sense? So these questions are almost like things that you can ask yourself to determine whether you are starting to drift away. And this is not for condemnation. All you do tonight is you come before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. And you start paddling back before it's too late. Okay. Question number one. Are you actively fighting sin in your life? 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says to us, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Dan Barnard came to preach at 4 p.m. a couple of weeks ago, and he asked a very good question. He said, what sin are you dealing with in your life today? Not yesterday, not the last time a big thing came about. What are you dealing with today? Because let me tell you, there is sin in your life today. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, God is just gracious and he shines light on one area at a time as not to scare you. But if he was to come with his holiness completely, you would realize that you fall short of the glory of God as all of us do. And he is gracious. But we constantly need to come before, before the Lord and say, please help me, Lord, that no little sins creep into my life. We are not to be sin conscious, but we are to be God conscious enough to say, Lord, help me see it if it's there. And help me fight those little sins the whole time. So the question is, are you aware of sin in your life at the moment? This is, I mean, I'm speaking about little things, yeah? I'm not speaking about the shock. I'm speaking about the drift. And I think we should always be aware of areas that we need to come closer to God. Always. Not sometimes, always. Sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's pornography or it's, or it's losing your temper and shouting at people. Sometimes it's just ignoring God when He speaks to you. Sometimes it's not spending time in the Word. Sometimes it's, it's not res responding to the nudge of God. Whatever it is, we need to be soft and sensitive and have sensitive hearts before the Lord and actively always fight sin so that we can turn to God. That's the first question. So how are you doing with that? How's your sin radar doing? Is it up? If, if it's not, you might be slowly drifting and your nets need to be washed. Secondly, are you regularly spending time with God? <clears throat> are you regularly spending time with God? Matthew 4 verse 4, this is what spending time with God is supposed to be. And Jesus answered, he was speaking to the devil, and he says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying that your sustenance in life is not only sleep. Sleep is a good thing. Believe me, when it gets taken away, you realize what a good thing it is. <laughs> it's not only supposed to be food. 
And we all know that when food gets taken away, you get angry and like, it's just not good to be around. We know that those things are important, but Jesus is saying, your sustenance is also to be with me. And if you are not with me, you will go angry and you will die spiritually if you don't regularly partake of me, eat of me, come into my presence. So are you still regularly spending time with God or are you, are you only doing it when you feel like it or when there's a nudge or when you feel convicted after a Sunday? It needs to be a daily discipline in our lives. Discipline means I do not always feel like it, but I keep doing it. I keep pressing and I keep seeking the Lord and spending time in His Word and in prayer. So this is supposed to be a convicting thing. How are you doing with that? If you're not doing well, then tonight you say, God, come and wash me. Come and wash me. Third question, are you regularly reading the Bible? Because as much as we pray and commune with God like that, we should also be in His Word so that His Word can convict us. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's so cool, that last part. It says, equipped for every good work. Now, if we want to be equipped for the good work of catching souls for the Lord, then we need the Word of God to penetrate our hearts. It needs to discipline us. It needs to correct us. It needs to bring reproof on our lives. So are you still reading the Bible? And not like the lucky dip. You know the lucky dip. I've shown you the lucky dip. Lucky dip's like this. Mm, Lord, please speak to me. Mm, ah. And Judas hung himself. Like, <laughs> that's the lucky dip. You can get yourself in severe trouble. If you do, that's not the way to read the Bible. To read the Bible, I see it like, there's not always a spark when I read the Bible. You think that we some the elders sleep with the angels, right? We don't, we don't do that. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I see it like this. There's a fireplace. Every time I read, it's like I take a log, I put it on the fireplace. I take a log, I put it on the fireplace. And now and then, the, it's like the spark of God just comes. It's like, whoa, now God is here. And then there's fire to burn for my relationship with God. It's not like there's a fire every time I read. I just want to, it's good that we know these things because we think like, oh, I'm not learning anything today. God's not convicting me. Keep at it. Keep putting that log on and log on and log on. And when God brings that fire, your fire will burn for so much longer because you've been, you've been filling your mind and you've been filling your heart with the Word of God. Are you regularly spending time in the Word of God? Are you reading? Not just a verse or two, but consuming enough of it to keep you burning for longer. Fourth question. Is your body and heart regularly attending church? Is your body and heart regularly attending church? Now, you'll notice, if you concentrate, I'm saying your body and your heart. Because you know that it's, it's possible for your bum to be in church, but your heart not to be in church. Have you, have you noticed that? It's possible to, out of habit, come to church, but not have your heart here. Meaning, don't come fully, come for the wrong reasons. But God wants us to attend church and be with his people in body and in heart. Now, for your heart to be there, your bum needs to be there. Let's just, let's just be honest here. Your bum needs to be there, otherwise your heart is not there. And so it's a, it's a good practice to regularly come to church as much as possible to prioritize it. You prioritize, well, I can't say you prioritize your classes because I don't think all of you do. <laughs> 
But the most important things in your life, it will be a priority for you. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but someone said this to me once. If, if I tell you that there is a, like an extremely good chance that if you come to this venue at this time tomorrow, there's going to be a million rand waiting for you. But if you are one second late, you've got no chance. What's going to happen? Is traffic going to be an excuse? <laughs> no. Is study going to be an excuse? No, it's not, right? <laughs> is uh, is uh, I overslept my alarm, is that going to be an excuse? No, you are going to do everything in your effort because you value that money. It, all that's doing is it's showing you the value you place to that thing. Because if you value something enough, you will turn the world over upside down to make sure that you get to that thing. You'll realize a guy gets a, a girlfriend or a boy gets a... Boy, huh? Girl gets a... <laughs> girl gets a boyfriend and suddenly they've got all the time in the world. They'll drive as far as they need to. They'll get money somehow. They'll sell their shoes to get money. It's because they prioritize it. They'll do everything in their power to get there. But what about being with the people of God? If, if we are not with the people of God, slowly but surely you will start becoming lukewarm. You will start losing your passion for the Lord. Your net will start becoming damaged. It will start becoming dirty. We are to be with the people of God. The Bible says, I think I've got it here, Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habits of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's no good coming to church when you feel like it or only coming now and then. We need to actively be here. And then our hearts also need to be here. I don't know if you've heard the story of the little boy who went to the dentist. And the dentist said to him, little boy, I need you to be on your back so that I can work in your mouth. And he says, I will not lay down. You cannot tell me what to do. He hates it. He's so scared. And the, he, the, the dentist tries to bribe him. He says, I'll give, you, I'll give you a sweet afterwards if you just. And he's like, no, I will not lay down. And he says, oh, man, you actually need to come to me in six months. If you lay down now, you only have to come back in a year. Come on, please, just lay down on your back. He says, I will not lay down. And his mom goes to him and his dad, my boy, you have to lay down now. And he goes to the dentist and he sticks out his finger and he says, sir, I just want you to know that my body might be laying down, but my heart is standing up. <laughs> you know, we can do exactly that. We can say, oh, I know I have to do it. I'll bring my body here. But are our hearts here? Are our hearts in submission to the Lord? Are we giving our hearts to the people here? Or am I only attending a service because it's a good thing? See, when you give your heart, it's a totally different thing. You open up. You're accountable. You let people speak into your life. You tell them what's going on in your life. That's what God actually wants for us. I think am I on the fifth question now? Fifth question, are you still enjoying God? Are you still enjoying God? See, we all go through times where I need to serve God and I'm not feeling it. It's like a marriage. Not my marriage, but other people's marriage. <laughs> it's like a marriage. 
There are times when you feel more in love and there are times when you feel less in love. It's just that those are the seasons that we go through. And whether you feel it or you don't feel it, it's a covenant that you make and you stick to it and you give yourself. That is how it's supposed to be with the Lord. But if there's never an enjoyment in your marriage, if there's never a feeling of being loved, if there's never a spark, then you need to get worried and you need to actively give yourself and say, I'm missing something. I need to get some of that love back. And so it's not always there, but we need to regularly have it. And so the question is, when last have you enjoyed God? When last have you come into His presence and just been overwhelmed by Him? When last have you woke up, woken up in the morning and just been glad because His mercy is on you every morning? When last have you looked at someone worshiping next to you and just been so happy for their experience with God that some of you experienced God? Like when last have we had these joyful moments? And if you're not having it, then the only answer is to come before God because he says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It's a promise. Stand on the promise of God. Lord, say, I will draw near to you until I feel you drawing near to me. We need to not let go of these things. That is the washing of the nets. The sixth question, is your bank account reflecting your faith? <laughs> is your, like some of you say my bank account reflects nothing because there's nothing in there. <laughs> but I doubt that. I doubt that. I think even if you've got a little, that doesn't matter. Your bank account should, actually what it does is not should, it does show you what's going on in your heart. Publicly. Your money that's why we speak about it so much. It's not because we want more money. It's because your money is an indicator of where your heart is. Let me tell you a quick testimony of Staley's PM. Just all of us. We had a massive growth spurt last year. Uh, last year and the year before. Just it, We grew so quickly. Some of the elders, I'm still sure they, st they prayed to God and say, said, please help us stop grow. I'm sure of it. I rebuke them. But anyway, I think that... <laughs> I think they prayed it. We had such a massive growth curve. And for the last year, we've definitely grown, but we, we've been slowly growing. It hasn't been like it's, it's been. But our prayer as elders, we've been saying the whole time, it's okay. We think God is having grace on us. God help us to deepen the church and not just let us grow in worth. That's been our prayer. That's been my prayer. I've been like, God, it's okay. I think what you'll do is you'll make us grow wider and then we'll grow bigger again. Wider, bigger, wider, bigger. But we need some depth to come in us. And we get this thing from the office. It's such a good, a good thing. They send us just what is the income of every congregation just to see. It's not like that income just goes for you. We haven't been cutting our budget mostly since our existence, so it's not for that. But it's to see what is actually coming in from every congregation. And one of the things they also put on there is how many deposits gets given based on your regular attendance. It's really an interesting tool. It's not, we don't build church on that, but it's a good thing to go and investigate. And a year ago, October, a year ago, 170 people paid something into the bank account. I mean, that can be 10 rand, it can be 100 rand, it can be 100,000 rand. That's not the point. But 170 people gave some of their income towards the church. October this year, 272 people gave. That is 102 more people that are giving. And what that tells me is people's hearts are with the church. It's beautiful. I'm like, ah! I'm happier, I'm happier for that than I'm happier that I'm happy just for growth. Because I'm like, God, that is reflective of what's going on in people's hearts. They have given their hearts. How beautiful, God. Now we can start doing something. Now we can work. Now we've got an army. <laughs> now we've got it because people's heart, bank accounts are reflecting what is in their hearts. 
And if you don't believe me, here's what the Bible says. It says uh, in, in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the clincher. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If you look at where your treasure goes, you know that that is where your heart is. And sometimes if you want to lead your heart somewhere, then throw your treasure there. <laughs> it really is that. For the gym guys. I'm sure if I look at your bank accounts, I can see that you love gymming. There's gym fees, there's the, um, uh, supplements, there's... <laughs> so we're, we're Christians, yeah? Supplements, there's the mirror for your bathroom, there's all of those things, your... Your bank account reflects where your heart is. How much more with God? If I pull a statement of your life, it should show you. So is your money going towards the things of the Lord? Is it? If not, you might need those nets to be, clear, nets to be cleansed. And I'm not only saying about your money, but it's an indicator to bring your heart before the Lord and your finances. Okay. A last question, then I'm going to end. Are you reaching out to people who do not know the Lord? Uh, Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If I'm not reaching out to unsaved people, it means that I'm not overflowing with the life of God. Because when I'm in a good space with the Lord, when I'm enjoying the Lord, I want others to come into what I'm enjoying. And so it's such a good question. Are you actively reaching out? Are you inv inviting people to church? I know it's the end of the year, so these are things that we take, uh, take with us even into the holiday. Are you, are you praying for your family? Are you looking for times to speak to your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister? about Jesus. If not, we need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to wash these nets. So let's stand. I'm going to end there. As I said, it's a simple message. It's, a, it's not supposed to be complicated. All it is, is, and we can probably go through more questions. It's just asking ourselves a few questions and and saying, Lord, if that's in me, thank you for your grace that you showed me that today. The only reason God would show you that is he wants your net to be cleansed because he wants you to be used in his kingdom. And he loves you. The Bible says, those whom I love, I discipline. Therefore, repent. So that's all we're going to do. It's going to be simple. I'm going to go through a couple of these things and we're just going to pray prayers of repentance. Okay. Repentance is a beautiful thing means I change my heart and I commit to changing my actions. So I don't know if you've been convicted by any of these, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to just go through each one of them and pray. And if that's you, while we're praying, can I ask you maybe to even raise your hands, if we can get Greta on the keys. Just raise your hands and just pray, just pray these prayers. So let's close our eyes. Lord, we just want to take some time as your people to pray. We, we thank you for the fact that you trust us enough, Lord, that you say that you want to make us fishers of men, that you want to use us, Lord. 
that you want our lives to count for something. You want us to, to make an impact for you in this world. We get to be your hands and feet. So, Lord, I just want to go through these things. And, Lord, we want to, we want to pray. Firstly, if any of you want to repent because your sin radar is not active enough, maybe just raise your hands where you are. Lord, I pray for any of us who are not actively aware of sin in our lives or not regularly fighting it or just waiting for the big things. Lord, I pray that you would make us so sensitive to your spirit. Make us sensitive to, Lord, just those tiny things that displease you. Convict us, Lord. Convict us. Thank you that when you convict, you also give us the power to overcome. And I just pray for each of these people, Lord. Give us sensitive hearts. Give us soft hearts to be so aware of when you speak to us, Lord. And thank you that you will give us grace to change. If you are not spending enough time with God, you're not getting to Him regularly, you can just raise your hands. Let me pray for you, for us. Lord, I pray for us who are not regularly getting to God. Lord, who have maybe felt uh, fallen out of discipline in spending time with you and getting into the Bible, getting into prayer. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us and Lord, I pray that when we come to you, that we would see more of you, that you would set our hearts on fire again. Pray for that, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for any of us, you can just raise your hands as I'm praying, who are not getting into the Word of God, who are not reading the Bible. If that's you, just raise your hands. Not in the Bible enough. Lord, I pray that you would come and you'd give us a hunger for your Word. You'd give us a hunger to study the Word, to eat the Word, to find sustenance there, to allow it to convict us and change us, Lord. Help us to get into your word on a regular basis. Those of you who feel like church attendance is a, is a hit and miss for you, or you're just coming but you're not really giving yourself, you can just raise your hands where you are. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people that see the value of others around us, that we would give our bodies, that we would come, we would commit, but not only that, we would commit our hearts to the people around us, Lord. Help us to see this as spiritual family, we pray. If you're maybe not enjoying God at the moment, it's feeling a little bit like a slog, but you, you're not enjoying it, you're not enjoying Him, can I ask you to raise your hands? Lord, I pray for every person that is not enjoying the Lord at the moment, Lord, enjoying you. God, I pray that you would set our hearts on fire yet again. I pray if there's anything holding us back, Lord, if there's any sin, any unrepentant sin, Lord, come and speak to us. Thank you that you are faithful to speak. And we want to say, Lord, we, we give ourselves to you. We really do give ourselves to you. If you are not letting your finances reflect your faith, you're not, you're not being faithful in that area of your life, can I ask you to raise your hands? Lord, I pray that you would forgive us, Lord, and that you would help us to take steps of faith even with our finances, even when it hurts, even when it's difficult. Help us be people who, who actually sometimes even throw caution to the wind in faith, Lord, and say that you come first in everything, including our finances. You come first. Pray that you would forgive us for holding on, for building, for, for, for uh, creating treasures for ourselves on earth where it will be destroyed and help us to gain treasures in heaven. And then finally, those of you who are not reaching out to others because you might not be overflowing, let's raise our hands. Lord, I pray that you will break our heart for the, all our hearts for the things that break yours. That you would just give us a passion for people who do not know you, Lord that you would remind us of our salvation, of the day of our salvation, how much you loved us, how much you were there, died on the cross for us, so that we can get to know you, so that we can be saved, Lord. 
Thank you that you did not leave us alone, but you sent people and there were obedient people that came to us. Lord, I pray that we would be those obedient people. We would be people that pursue you wholeheartedly, Lord, so that we can pursue others with your love wholeheartedly. Oh, Lord, break our hearts for the things that break yours. Break our hearts, Lord, for the things that break yours. Thank you so much, God. Just the last thing while your eyes are closed, and then we're going to end. <laughs> but just the last opportunity, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus. You see, you can try and make the little adjustments, and that's okay, but it's not going to work unless you've first given your life to Jesus completely. That's the first step. It's giving you everything to Him. It's, it's confessing that you've lived without Him and you want to live for Him now. You turn away from your old life and you turn towards a life lived for Jesus. And He died on a cross for this moment for you so that you could get saved even now. And so I want to take this, this moment. We always need to do it. It's, it's probably the most important part of tonight. If you are here and you've fallen away from God or you want to give your life to Him for the very first time, can I ask you, while all the eyes are closed, no one's looking around, can I ask you to raise your hand? Can I ask you to raise your hand if that's you, to take a bold step. So I want to make right with Jesus. So anyone like that? I'm going to hand over to Nico. Yeah, I think Ryan just came to me and he just said, I think